Christmas is a time of making wishes. People wish for certain presents. People make wish lists for all sorts of things. The kids give them to parents or to the Santa when they sit on Santa's lap and take the pictures. People wish, maybe if you're not a kid, making a list for certain people to be there with them around the time of Christmas. And people also wish, I think, for a certain, let's call it an aesthetic that surrounds Christmas. People like to drive around and look at the lights. I like to do that. And they like to have all the decorations out for as long as possible and listen to the music, maybe starting even in October or something like that. People like to watch Charlie Brown Christmas and hear Linus read Luke 2 from the King James Version. I like all of that too. It's all good stuff. At our house on December 6th, we tell the story of St. Nicholas and the kids get chocolate coins in their shoes and it's all a good time. There is an aesthetic that comes to Christmas time. People wish for it. People long for it. That's why we all like to sing Silent Night by Candlelight like we will tonight. And that's all great. But you know the saying, be careful what you wish for. In Deuteronomy 18, the people wished for something. In verse 16, we hear that they desired, that is, that they wished that they would not hear again the voice of the Lord or see his fire anymore, lest they die. They felt as if God giving the commandments to Moses to give to them, which is what happened at Horeb, that's what they're referencing there, it was too much for them. It was overly convicting. They thought there's no way we can fulfill all these commandments. And when the Lord's presence is among us with his fire and his voice is coming down from the mountain, that there's no way they could live through that again. And so they tell Moses and they grumble at Moses and they say, I desire, I wish that that would never happen again. Now, the truth is what they really needed was faith. Faith that Christ covered their sin and faith that God would take care of them. And even if he came in his fire and in his presence once more, that they would live. But they grumbled. And when it comes to God's commands, it is easy to grumble. We hear God's commands and sometimes we grumble. We ask ourselves, does God really expect me to do all of that? Does God really expect me to be in church, to keep the Sabbath? Does he really expect me to be in his word, to honor his name? Does he really expect me to involve him in every aspect of my life? Does he really expect me to rejoice in him, as the epistle said, always and in every circumstance? By prayer and supplication, give thanks to him and ask for his help. Every time? The answer is yes. 
He does expect those things. And yes, just like the Israelites' experience, that is convicting. And we could be like the Israelites and we could say, maybe we should just not listen to God talk anymore. Maybe we should just put his word away, put the Bible back up on the shelf, let it collect some layers of dust, and then maybe I won't have to think about it as much anymore. I don't want to hear it anymore. Out of sight, out of mind. That's what the Israelites thought. But there was a beautiful truth in what the Israelites wished for that day when they grumbled to Moses. They said, lest I die. They did not want to die. They prayed not to die. And there's another beautiful truth in Scripture that you should know, which makes sense of the Lord's response to this. That God doesn't want them to die either. And he doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you because of the lack of your ability to keep his law. He doesn't want you to suffer eternal death. He desires not the death of the sinner, but they would turn from his wick- their wicked ways and live. And so the Lord promised the Savior. And specifically here in Deuteronomy 18, he said the Savior would be a prophet like Moses, raised up from among these grumbling, stiff-necked people. Moses was a mighty prophet. Moses did a lot for the Israelites. He interceded for them time and time again. He led them out of slavery into the promised land, or up to the promised land, I should say. He did so many great things, bringing them the law from Sinai. He was a mighty prophet, maybe one of the mightiest. He wrote the first five books of Scripture. So many amazing things Moses did. But they needed someone better. Because Moses, in and of himself, was a sinner. That's why he didn't actually get to enter the promised land. Moses, in and of himself, couldn't save them. They needed a prophet like Moses, but better than Moses. They needed not only the one who would bring God's word from God to the people, but the one who is called in John the word himself, the word made flesh. The prophet who not only brings the word, but the prophet who is the word incarnate. And he is, as our hymn said earlier, the one we're talking about, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ. As our hymn said, the wish or the desire of all the nations. The one that deep down in everybody's hearts, somewhere, they know that they need. Now, as we said, when we desire Jesus, when we wish for Jesus, we should be careful what we wish for. I had this seminary professor in seminary that always made this point that Moses was nicer, actually, than Jesus was. Oftentimes, when we think about Moses in the Old Testament and 
the Ten Commandments and things like that, we think about, oh, well, that's the law, and that is mean and kind of law bad, but gospel good. Moses, mean, but Jesus, nice, something like that. Not only is that way overly simplistic, but it's actually kind of the opposite. If you look at the things that Moses did in his life, what did he do for the Israelites? Every time they turned their backs on him, every time they turned away from the Lord their God, Moses would cry out to the Lord and say, you promised to have mercy on them. Don't kill them, save them. Moses tried and tried and tried to keep the Israelites alive, tried to keep them in the mercy of God. Jesus, on the other hand, he comes and he does all sorts of mean things. He tells one of his own disciples, get thee behind me, Satan. He flips over tables in the temple. He tells the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. Your whitewashed tombs. Jesus isn't actually always the nice guy. And so one thing to think about this Christmas, and again, I do like the aesthetic of Christmas, don't get me wrong, but when people think about Christmas and they think about Jesus and they think about the cute little baby in the manger and the Charlie Brown story and children dressed up for Christmas pageants and Silent Night by Candlelight, and driving around looking at the lights and all the rest of it, what are they asking for? What are they wishing for? In other words, lots of people say they want to know Jesus or that they are friends with Jesus or have a relationship with Jesus or something along those lines. But remember, Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He didn't come to just do away with the fiery presence of the Lord and with the Ten Commandments and make our lives easy. He came to fulfill the law. And if you live in him, he wants you to continue to follow in that law. He does expect you to follow the law, to be in church, to support the church. He expects to be involved in your whole life, every aspect of it, not just on Sundays and not just around Christmas or Easter. He doesn't just want to be your savior when he's in a manger or rising out of the tomb. He wants to be your savior all year long, every day, 24-7. Another way to say that is he doesn't just want to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord, your master. And are you ready for that? Will you listen to him when he's not just surrounded by the aesthetic of Christmas? So consider that. But also consider this. When the Israelites did not know what they wished for, when in fact they wished on one hand for something rather wicked that the Lord would leave their presence... The Lord still had mercy on them. God can work out wishes that maybe are uninformed or desires that maybe are not exactly what they should be. He can work out those desires for good. 
And so the Lord responds to Moses when the people grumble and complain, and he says, almost ironically, what they have spoken is good. Because remember they had wished that one thing that is true, they didn't want to die. And God said, I don't want them to die either. What they have spoken is good. I am going to give them a way not to die. And so he sent his prophet. The prophet like Moses, but better than Moses. The prophet, Jesus Christ, who took on human flesh at Christmas. And more than all the aesthetic, Christmas is about this, that God was born in human flesh, that you who have human flesh might be reborn of God. He sent his prophet, the prophet like Moses, but better than Moses, who preaches to you that your sins are forgiven, that your evil desires are forgiven. He preaches to you from the manger this weekend and from his death and resurrection always that you have life in him. You are not just getting Luke 2 read by Linus. You are not just getting a nice nativity story this weekend. You're getting so much more. And so be careful what you wish for, because you might get what you ask, but you might get more. But maybe that's a good thing, at least this weekend. And so thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that Jesus doesn't just give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. He gives us the Jesus we need. He gives us all of Christ for all of life. He gives us law and gospel. He gives us rebuke and correction and teaching and training in righteousness and comfort. And he gives to you this Christmas a prophet greater than Moses. He has come. Thanks be to God. We stand to sing the offertory together.